If you are here for the first time in person or online, I'm not Buddy Bell, <laughs> but I hope you'll come back and, and be with us sometime when Buddy is here. He's one of the best that you'll hear, and I know that you will be blessed by, by hearing him speak. But I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning on marriage. Um, Connie gave me permission to be here. We're speaking on submission this morning, and so I asked for permission, and she gave it to me. But I want to tell you this morning that the two passages that we studied today, which will be 1 Peter chapter 3 and Ephesians 5, I think are the, some of the best marriage builders that we could ever have. These two scriptures talk about wives being submissive and things like that, and I understand all that, but I think these two passages... If we look at them in, in the context tense in which they were written, that they will build our marriages as much or more than any passages we have. So let's be in prayer for about that for about that for a few minutes because if you are a very selfish person, which surveys have shown throughout the years, in recent years, back in the day, if you were talking about things that were marriage um, that tore down marriages. Communication was right at the top. But in the last five or six years, selfishness has been right at the top. So if you are a very, very selfish person, the passages that we study today might not fit well with you today. So we've got to learn to be over our selfishness. Back in uh, several years ago, uh, Psychiatrist Richard Ray and Thomas Himes did a, a survey to find out some of the most distressing stressors that are humanly possible to have in your life. Number one was the loss of a child. Number two was the loss of a spouse. Number three was divorce. Number four was marital separation. In order to have the, these four, we have to have number eight, which was marriage. Now, number five was being incarcerated into an institution. And somebody said, look, they have marriage up there twice. Well, I can tell you, marriage is not being incarcerated in an institution. It's something that we love, that we get to do, that we oftentimes take for granted, so I want us to look over that part today. In 1517, Martin Luther was a theological professor at Wittenberg College. He studied all the time. He, he taught classes all the time. He was in the Word all the time. He became disillusioned with a lot of things that, was, that were being taught within the Catholic Church. Now, I'm not here today to bash the Catholic Church. I'm using this as an illustration. Martin Luther studied all the time, so much to the point that he wrote 95 theses on what, on what the belief was of, of the church. And so he posted these theses on the Wittenberg door, which was a door that was on campus that... It was kind of like our Facebook. People would, if they wanted to debate about something, if they really wanted you to know something, they would post it on this door. There were 95 
of these theses that he posted at one time. You can see them online. Numbers 41 through about number 45 had to do with something called indulgence. And if history proves me right, it says that indulgence was when you paid someone to have your sins forgiven. The more you paid, the more sins were forgiven. And he became disillusioned with a lot of those things till he wrote those 95. He was excommunicated. He was thrown out of the church. He literally had to hide for his own safety because he feared being killed. Later on in life, Martin Luther married an ex-nun. And he said during that marriage that he learned how to serve, how to learn, how to love, and how to respect. That being married taught him more about life, taught him more about love, taught him more about service, taught him more about how to respect somebody than anything that he had read or anything that he had done in his classes or anything that he had learned in his classes. He came to the conclusion, and I totally agree with this, Martin Luther came to the conclusion, and now think about this for a moment, don't just brush this off the top of your head, he came to the conclusion that marriage was to make us holy, not make us happy. I can't tell you how many times that counselors, and I have too as well, that people would come and say, look, I want my marriage to be great. I want my marriage to be awesome. I want to be happy. Well, according to Martin Luther, according to Scripture, and according to things we read about marriage, marriage is to help us be holy, not happy. Now, happiness follows along with holiness, If we're holy in our marriage and we're doing what God asks us to do, then we will be happy because we're serving God. I want us to uh, think about something here for a minute. As a youth minister and children's minister for many, many years, I want to ask you a question, or I want to make a statement first. I believe that women are some of the most, if not the most, important ministers in a church individually I don't want you to raise your hand but I do want to ask you this question how many of you men husbands would even be in church today if it were not for your wives how many of you men would be teaching bible classes or doing any kind of ministry work at all if it were not for your wives How many men would be elders or deacons if it were not for your wives? I would hate to imagine how, what kind of person or how strong I would be if it were not for mine. I don't, I want, I don't want to embarrass Connie, but she's a stabling force in our marriage. She is a spiritual giant in my eyes. This morning we were having our devotional time at our breakfast table, and it came time for prayer, and she said. I want to pray for you today. And her prayer was for God to speak through me and for it not to be about me, for it not to be about Uncle Al, but for it to be about what God wants us to hear and for what God wants us to live 
in our marriages. So I ask you again, where would we be without our wives? Where would our young children be without our women teachers? We would be in a mess and we all know that. So when we look on these scriptures that we're going to look on today, uh, 1 Peter 3 and uh, Ephesians 5, I want us to talk about being submissive in in the context of these scriptures. Now, if you're not married, submission still has a lot to do with being a Christian. We have to be oftentimes submissive to people outside of our marriage. Maybe it's in our workplace where we serve. When I left here, uh, when I retired from here, I became the chaplain at uh, Faulkner University for the Lady Eagles basketball team. I love those girls. They're just a delight to see every morning. At 5.15 every morning, we're at practice, and we have devotional time, and we have prayer time. And I love those girls, and I love Coach Sutton, and Coach Harrison, and Coach Jones. It's easy for me to submit to them because of the love that I have for them. And hopefully that's the way it should be with our spouses. Be easy to submit to our spouses because of the way, because of the love that we have. Now, I want to read some scripture to you today if you want to follow along. We're going to review just a little bit of what Buddy talked about um, last week. And so, we're going to start in verse um, 13 of 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, 13. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority among man, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. We'll skip down a little bit. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So he's talking about that we should submit to the government, even when they mistreat us. Then it says, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good, and considerate, but also those to those who are harsh. And in some versions say, even those who beat us, if we're a slave. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because he is the conscience of God. And he goes on to say, when people hurl insults at you, when people mistreat you, be submissive to them. When, when people do things that we don't like, be submissive to them. When, the govern, when a government makes a decision we don't like, be submissive to that government. Let's go on down to verse 1 in chapter 3, where it says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, 
They may be won over without talk by behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in, in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Not every husband in church, to their own husbands. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Then he gets to the husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker vessel and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So we're told in this lengthy passage that we are supposed to submit to government authority. Sometimes our government here during this time period does things that we don't like. Let me tell you what was going on then when this was written. Peter wrote this passage probably in 62 or 63 A.D. because he died in 64 A.D. or 65 A.D. So this passage was written during the time when Nero was emperor. Nero was emperor from 54 AD to 69 AD. Now let me tell you what was going on between 54 AD and 69 AD. Female babies were being killed. If you were a female during this time, you did not have much credibility at all. As a matter of fact, you were, you were treated worse than a lot of animals were treated. You were beaten. You were tortured. Babies were killed up to one year old. They could be killed easily without any kind of problem whatsoever. There was abortion was at an all-time high. Nero was a criminal. Nero was a murderer. Nero would take a life of a Christian for no apparent reason other than to take their life. He killed his stepbrother, he killed his mother, and he killed his wife. So now let's think about this passage, being submissive to the government, being submissive to slave masters, being submissive to your unbelieving husband. Peter, what have you got in mind? So Peter's saying, we can't stand on a street corner and preach Jesus every week. We can't get on TV and tell everybody about Jesus. We can't do anything verbal without being killed or beaten or harmed in some kind of way. So our communication with other Christians or to try to reach people was to do it non-verbally. So Peter says, here's the way we're going to do it. We're going to submit. 
And you know what people will see? They'll see a difference in our lives. We can't tell them about Jesus. We can't tell them about our Lord. But they are going to see the way we live our lives. So there were two reasons for submission. And, some, and these two reasons still hold true to today. One reason for submission is that we can show our faith in God. There are a lot of scripture in scripture that's uncomfortable for us. There are a lot of things that we're asked to do as Christians that are uncomfortable for us. But it seems like being submissive is one of those that really touches us the wrong way for some reason. When it should be one of the, one of the great things that we get to do is being submissive and showing people our non-verbally how we love the Lord. So the first reason is so that we can show our faith in God. That's the reason in, that these people were submissive. Another reason, the second reason is to be reaching other people. So Peter's saying we can't reach other people any other way but being submissive. So how can we use submission today in our time to do the same thing? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Real quick. We're going to start, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to start with Ephesians um, 18. When he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So he's telling us before we ever get to this part about marriage, before we ever get to the part about submission, before we get to any of that, he's saying, look, a prerequisite of that is to be filled with the Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, it takes on, all this takes on a new meaning to us. We're not trying to fight it. We're not trying to do any of these kind of things. And so let's read on it. It says, but here's what I want you to do. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody to your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God, our Father, in everything, in the name of Jesus. And then verse 21 says this. Submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Submit to one another in reverence to Christ. Now these verses that we're looking at here today has to do with submission to husbands and wives, but I want to flop things around a little bit because it first starts talking about wives and then it goes over to the husbands, but I want to talk about the husbands first, if that's okay with you. I'm not taking scripture out of context, I'm just swapping them around. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 25. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So, husbands, how are we to love our wives? We'll die. We would die for our wives. Okay? And then it goes on to say, not working. Technical. Satan not going to win this one. 
Okay, so he says, love our wives as Christ loved the church and cleansing by her washing with water through the word. How much are you in the word, husbands? How much are we in the word? I had a guy tell me something a long time ago that, uh, that uh, a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and tell you. It was Paul Evans sitting right here. He said that he used to come down when, his, when he was young, he would come down for breakfast. And his mother's Bible was open on the bre- at the breakfast table. And he said, he, looking back on it years back, he said, that meant more to me, thinking about it later, that meant more to me than anything I can think of spiritually. It helped me spiritually. And then he followed up with this. <laughs> I have no idea whether she read her Bible every morning. I don't know if she did that. But I know her Bible was open every morning for me to see. So how many times, husbands, do we have our Bibles open for our wives to see us studying God's Word? Okay, so it says, to present herself, to present himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Let's stop right there for a minute. Husbands feed and care for their bodies as Christ does the church. I don't think Christ, I don't think he's talking about chicken. (laughs) I think he's talking about what we feed our bodies. The bodies, our bodies are made up of three parts. We have muscle, we have bones, and from the time we're born, we have a soul. And that soul lives eternally somewhere. Once we have it, we have it. It's us. It's part of our body. And then we have the Holy Spirit. So when he's talking about feeding the body, in this context, I think he's talking about feeding the soul, feeding the spirit. So what, is, what are we feeding the spirit? Let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I think we need to be feeding the spirit, feeding the soul, fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such of these these things, there is no law. We can do these without any kind of worry. Now, are we feeding our bodies with this? Are we trying to live in front of our wives with patience? with kindness, with forgiveness, truthfulness, self-control. All these are so important to feeding the body when we study God's Word. For Christ does this for the church, for we are members of His body. For this reason... 
man leaves his father and his mother. Guys, you are no longer a mama's boy when you leave for your wife. You are the head of that household. You are the spiritual leader. You are the one who is supposed to set the tone. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your in-laws, or your outlaws. You are supposed to be the spiritual leader. So, for this reason, we'll leave a father and a mother and be united with who? Our wife. And we become one flesh. And that's a mystery. The Bible says that is a mystery um, because we're talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There have been survey after survey after survey done on what people want in marriage. The thing, the two most important things that men, or within the top five, that men want in marriage, and one we can't talk about, there are little ears in here, but there are two things, and one is love. Men want to be loved, but number two is they want to be respected. They want you to respect their job. They want you to respect them. Two things women want is they want to be loved unconditionally and they want to be protected within the top five. So as we look at this, let's think about how we're doing as husbands. Are we feeding our bodies with the things that will help our marriage be better? Are we feeding our things with the fruit of the Spirit? Are we feeding our things, our bodies with things that will help us be better husbands? Let's look at the wives here for a moment. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Let me, let me stop right here just a minute. Wives, if your husbands are doing all these things we talked about, if your husbands are trying to be the spiritual leaders in your home, if your husbands are trying to feed their bodies with the fruit of the Spirit, among other things, or if your husbands are trying to do those things, wouldn't it be an honor? Wouldn't it be a privilege? Wouldn't it be something you would want to do? Submit to them. Submission is respect of their love. Submission is respect um, of authority. Submission is, is, is the things that help us grow closer together. Submission does not mean you're a doormat. Submission is not get me some tea, woman. Submission is not those things. Submission is loving someone. Submission is honoring someone. Submission is turning things over to someone. I've had, I've had married couples, Connie's, Connie and I have had married couples in our homes. And I, have, I can't tell you how many times I've heard wives say, I just want my husband to lead. I just want my husband to be the spiritual leader. I just want my... Ladies, if they're doing these things... Shouldn't we be honored to submit to them? 
We're going to make mistakes. Husbands are going to make mistakes. We're not the sharpest knives in the drawer, I can tell you. But we're going to try to do what God wants us to do. We often fail. Don't, don't ask Connie if I've ever failed. That would be embarrassing to me. Because I've failed miserably a lot of times. But I do know what God wants me to do. God wants me to be the spiritual leader. He wants us to be submissive to each other in a lot of things, in spiritual things. He wants us as husbands to love and protect. He wants wives to love and respect. So from these passages, we can see what a marriage really should be like. And unfortunately, for some reason, every time we think about or hear about the word submission, we just don't like it. But I want to tell you, I love these two passages. First, because I learned what the situation was like when Peter wrote First Peter. I learned that as a husband and, and as you as wives and people in the workforce, people all over the place out in, out in society, that we can reach people by our behavior. We can reach people by the way we live our lives. It's fun to know. That takes a lot of pressure off. Because there are a lot of people in this room, there are a lot of people that are watching as we stream, there are a lot of people in our society that can't get out and teach because they just they don't feel like they're spiritually ready. I've had people ask me, and I've used this with our basketball team before on several occasions, ask me, what is my ministry? I don't know who I'm supposed to minister to. Where? What's my ministry? Let me, let me say this. According to Peter and what he's written right here, your ministry is whoever is standing in front of you. It doesn't matter. Whoever's standing in front of you five minutes from now is your ministry. Whoever's standing in front of you when you get home to this afternoon, that's your ministry. Live where your feet are. Wherever you are. Just do like people did in, in Rome. Just do like the Christians did when they couldn't do the way we do. We're, we're so fortunate to have uh, internet, and we're so fortunate to have television. And we're, it's helped. Uh, this is the first time Connie and I have been to church since the middle of March, and we miss it. We really miss it. But we're fortunate to have technology. So let's serve where we are. Let me, make a, let me, let me challenge you here for a minute. I want to challenge you as husbands to make a commitment to be in prayer about where you really want to be as a spiritual leader in your home. How you can lead your families better. How you can lead your children better. How you can serve God better. I want to challenge the wives as to how you can be spiritually better what you can do to serve how you can do jesus washed feet <laughs> we're not doing that <laughs> jesus washed feet he knew how to serve let's learn how to serve let's learn how to make our marriages better here's my here's one of my points connie and i've been married 
almost, well, August will be 50 years. Why be married 50 years and not make it the greatest marriage you can make it? Why not make your marriages great? Why not make it so when people see us, they can say, like they had to do when Peter wrote 1 Peter, that they can say, I can tell something different about y'all. I can tell something different about your marriage. I want a marriage like that. I want to be that way. I'm still striving to be that kind of person. Let's just work on our marriages. Let's just work on serving God. And let's just work on serving each other. And ask God's help. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you, God, for the institution of marriage. We thank you, God, for the, for the marriages in this building, those that are watching online. Lord, we thank you that you have allowed us to be here today to talk about how to submit to each other, but just as importantly, Lord, how to submit to you because, you, because of your submission for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this congregation of people that meets here. We thank you for those that are watching online, Lord. We pray that you would just be with those who are going through some type of illness right now. We pray for your healing power to heal them. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with the marriages that are hurting, Lord. We know that you can do miraculous things. We pray that you will reach down and touch these marriages and make them well. Lord, just be with us and bless us. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for him walking on this earth. We thank you that he died on Calvary. But we thank you that he rose from the tomb. And because of that, we can live eternally with you. We love you and we thank you in your son's precious name. Amen.